Welcome back to another episode of Chasing the Apex. I'm your host, Sid Sudhir. Today, I'm sitting down with Ernie Francis Jr. Ernie started his professional racing career in 2013, racing with the Breathless Racing Team run by his father in the Trans Am Series. With seven consecutive series titles under his belt in the Trans Am Series, Ernie also competed in the NASCAR Xfinity Series with MBM Motorsports in 2017 and in the Formula Regional Americas Championship in 2021. However, one of Ernie's most significant career moments thus far was bringing home a race win at Lucas Oil Raceway in the SRX Series. He credits this win as one of the reasons he received his latest opportunity racing in the Indy Light Series with Force Indy, a team established with the goal of bringing greater diversity and inclusion to motorsports. So, without any further ado, here's Ernie's story. Welcome to the show, Ernie. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. I think for me, this will be interesting because I know literally nothing about Trans Am or SRX, so I have a good feeling that today I'm going to learn something new. Um, but to start off our discussion, can you explain to our listeners how you got started in racing and how you came to the decision that you wanted to make it your career? Right, so, uh, first of all, it's great to be on with you. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I got my start in racing when I was four years old in go-karts. Um, my dad had always raced before me. He's been racing since the uh, 80s. Um, so it was always kind of something that I was born around. You know, I grew up um, going to the racetrack, watching him. So when I turned four years old, got me my first go-kart. And uh, that's kind of where my career started. Um, started racing go-karts from when I was uh, four until I was 13. And then um, transitioned into racing uh, cars at a... Uh, at amateur club races uh, with SCCA and NASA, um, racing spec Miatas. And then um, when I turned uh, 15, transitioned into uh, pro racing with the uh, Pirelli World Challenge, uh, racing in the touring car divisions, and kind of just worked up through that, then into Trans Am, and then uh, got to where we are uh, now racing uh, Indy Next. Nice. So early on in your career, uh, was the goal always NASCAR? Is that why you first decided to start in the Trans Am series? Um, you know, I never really had a specific goal of where I wanted to end up. You know, I've always been a big fan of uh, IMSA uh, endurance racing. You know, my goal always kind of uh, dreamed about racing at the 24 hours of Daytona and Le Mans um, and Spa and all those big endurance races. Um, and then, you know, things kind of change and progress of where you're racing. And at this point, I'm, you know, happy wherever I can drive, you know, having to got a taste of racing, endurance racing, doing open wheel racing, doing, um, like NASCAR and oval racing with SRX. Um, I got a taste of everything that, you know, racing has to offer um, that I'm pretty interested in. And uh, at this point, I'm pretty happy wherever I can end up. Um, it, it's pretty fun. Um, and I, and I enjoy it. So, so being a Florida kid, did you go to Sebring and Daytona and see those races for yourself? Yeah. So I've been to Sebring quite a few times for the 12 hours, been to Daytona a few times for the, for the 24. So, you know, grew up at, attending those races and that was kind of always the, the dream was become a factory driver for a manufacturer and, and, and race in those. So are you going to be, I think Daytona is, is coming up soon, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Comes up uh, in January. Yeah. So you're, you're going to be, I'm, I'm assuming you'll be in attendance for that. Uh, might be, I think it actually is pretty close to the times that we're testing um, down in Homestead. So I might not be able to make it out to that event, but uh, you know, always end up watching it on TV or, or streaming it on my phone. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about Trans Am. So I guess firstly, can you describe the experience of driving the Trans Am car? What skills did you have to fine tune in order to master that car? Yeah, so the Trans Am car was, um, you know, unlike anything that I'd driven before. Um, it's a two-frame chassis car. There's no ABS, no traction control. Uh, the cars are very raw. Um, 
you know, they make 800 horsepower using a NASCAR sprint cup engine um, with a five-speed sequential. So the cars are super aggressive. They're loud. Um, and there's really no driver aids. It's all, you know, the traction control is your right foot on the throttle. Um, and it's just you and the car out there. Um, so, you know, you had to really throttle management was a big thing that I had to learn, you know, being able to, uh, light up the tires anytime you want, uh, by just mashing down the gas, you have to know how to, how to manage that to make the tires last over the course of an hour long race, um, because you can burn them up pretty quick. Um, and it definitely taught me a lot of, uh, a lot of that skill set racing in Trans Am over the years. And I think I, I use a lot of that skill set for where I am now racing. I mean, so, so how intimidating was that for you, right? Because you were going from, you know, racing spec Miatas and SCCA to all of a sudden having an 800 horsepower car, right? So how, you know, just mentally, how did you manage that transition? Yeah, you know, it, it was a, you know, big transition going from, uh, from what I was used to, you know, racing touring cars, um, you know, those things only made around 300 something horsepower. Um, I did, I got some experience in some GT four class cars, um, that made a little bit more, but the jump into Trans Am was a, was a big speed jump. Um, and it just, you know, took a few track days of just driving the car, a few practice days. Um, it clicked pretty quick though. And I felt, uh, at home in the car and, uh, our speed showed. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Saying your speed showed was a bit of an understatement. I mean, you made light work of the series, right? You're winning yep. the title seven consecutive times. So what do you think allowed you to be so successful in Trans Am? Um, I think, you know, uh, I clicked with the cars very well. Um, the, the way that they drove kind of fit in my, uh, fit my driving style. Um, I also was very hands-on with the engineering of my car, um, you know, racing for my father's team in Trans Am. I was pretty much my engineer uh, of, my, of my own car. So I, I spent a lot of time doing um, testing of different different setups and shock settings and having the car on and off the scale pad, just trying different things. Um, and I got very hands-on with it to where I knew what I wanted and I knew what the car needed to be at to be fast. And I felt like we were very good at dialing that in very quick. And I think that just kind of helped us over the course of the years. So, so how did you learn to become like the mechanic or engineer of your car? Like, so to say, like, was that something that your dad kind of taught you a little bit? Was it just something you had a genuine curiosity and wanted to go out and get that experience? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely uh, have always had that interest in, in that side of motorsport. Uh, my dad, uh, you know, he owns a racing team, but also a speed shop. Um, and pretty much from the time that I was 15 up until currently today, I, I, I still work at the shop in uh, part time in my in my off time in between training and racing, um, you know, working on customer cars and prepping race cars and and doing anything that needs to be done around the around the shop. So I learned a lot from my dad. Um, he has an engineering background and he kind of taught me a lot and a lot of it which was hands on and, you know, learning from him. Um, but, you know, it's been uh, super useful information that I've learned and been able to put it to good use on, on the track. So you would say having a more technical background, then that gives you a competitive edge against the guys you're going up against. Yeah, I think so. It definitely helps out. Um, you know, it gives me a better idea of what needs to be changed um, on the car before, um, you know, it, it, it saves a ton of time. We, we don't have to come in and I got to describe what's going on and then they got to figure out what they're going to do. I already have an idea of what I want changed and what will do what to the car. Um, so it makes it quicker for us on, on track, making adjustments. And then it helps me um, describe to the, to the guys working on the car, how, how I want it changed. Gotcha. Well, so with all this success in the Trans Am series, why did you decide to stay for so many seasons? Why not opt for a part-time program in, for instance, the Xfinity series? 
Um, you know, I think it all just comes down to budget. Um, you know, the, the budgets needed to run Xfinity or um, IMSA or any of these other series is enormous compared to uh, what it was in Trans Am. When we were racing in Trans Am, I had sponsors on my car, um, but my program was also funded by um, the customers that we had racing for us. You know, we were doing track support for uh, four or five other drivers in Trans Am and some of the money that would that would come in from there, my dad would put towards my racing to try and help me out. And then whatever sponsorship I had, um, luckily we had sponsors for the last uh, three or four years of our, of our Trans Am campaign that really helped uh, pay the bills for, for it. Um, but it was borderline being able to get that done. So to go somewhere else um, was really pretty much out of the question. We, the, the budget just wasn't there. Um, so it was just, you know, doing the most with the opportunity that I had and hoping that it would uh, help me out, get picked up to, uh, to go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I mean, it essentially did that, right? Because then you got to the next step, which was SRX, right? Which is still a fairly new series. So maybe could you explain for our listeners, like what is SRX and why has it become such a big deal off late? Yeah, you know, uh, SRX was, uh, you know, came about uh, about two years ago. Um, it was uh, founded by Ray Abraham and Tony Stewart, and it was basically um, formed to be a new version of the IROC series, which was a one-make manufacturer um, series where all the cars are prepped um, by the series, and it's an invite-only pull drivers from all different forms of motorsport, Trans Am champions, NASCAR champions, uh, IndyCar champions, um, rally cross guys have everybody come in and they all compete in the same cars on the same track and to see, um, how everybody stacks up. Um, so it was a really cool idea. You know, IROC had a really cool, uh, really cool platform for that back in the day. Um, I wasn't around to see it, so it's cool to be a part of, you know, what is the new version of IROC now? Um, and yeah, so I got, got picked up in SRX, uh, two years ago. Um, you know, met Ray Everham a, a ton of times at Trans Am races, and he had always been talking to me about SRX and how when it gets going, he wants to have me come in there and do a race or two. And um, in that off season before the first uh, season of SRX, he called me and asked if I wanted to compete in the full year. And uh, I hopped right aboard and, you know, the rest is kind of history there. Uh, won the, won a race at Lucas Oil, uh, finished second in the championship behind Tony Stewart. And that kind of catapulted my, uh, catapulted my career up, off to where it is now. Uh, yeah. race in, uh, in Indy next. Yeah. So, I mean, again, how would you characterize driving an SRX car, right? Because these are mostly, again, short ovals. And like you said, everyone's driving mm -hmm. the same car, right? Yeah. You know, these SRX cars, they, um, they're kind of a, a mix between a late model and like a Trans Am tube frame, tube frame car. Um, you know, the chassis are symmetrical, so they can be run on road courses. It's not like it's an offset chassis made only for, for turning left. Um, but they're all set up to, to turn left. Um, they have a ton of power, you know, they're making about 750 horsepower and not much tire on them. They're on a, a pretty small, uh, Goodyear tire. Um, so it's easy to burn up the tires. So, you know, a lot of throttle management was, was key in SRX too, which kind of, you know, worked in my favor coming from Trans Am. Um, but the cars were a lot of fun, you know, short tracks were something that I didn't have a ton of experience on. I'd only done one late model race in my entire life, uh, before that, um, so, you know, it was, a, it was an interesting transition, um, but I adapted to it pretty well, you know, took some tips from Tony Stewart and some of those guys whenever they would give me some and uh, kind of just ran with it. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's in like the name itself, right? SRX is supposed to stand for like, like superstar racing experience. Right. Um, but I mean, to me, I just think the coolest thing is just the fact that you're getting people from all the different like walks of life in, in racing terms. Right. And not only 
are these people from different series, but it's also people from different like time periods. Like Paul Tracy, for example, it's like used to be an IndyCar champion or I guess champ car champion, right? Um, so, so do you think that having this kind of like mixed bag of experience when you're going up against your competitors, that's maybe in some ways actually you learn more than just being in a feeder series? Yeah, you know, it definitely uh, helps out, you know, learning a lot because these guys all have experience. Um, and, you know, whether it's Paul Tracy that has experience from racing champ car 20 years ago or um, Elio and Tony Kanan that are still racing IndyCar today, you know, they all have valuable experience and um, each of them are very good at specific things in, in racing. And, you know, they've all obviously been successful in their careers. Um, and I think that doesn't go away over the years. They still are just as fast as uh, as they were before. Um, so it's, it's really cool once you get everybody on track, everybody has strengths and weaknesses and, uh, you see how everybody's plays out, um, throughout the race and it made for really entertaining racing on track and, uh, made for entertaining, uh, conversations between us after races. Uh, it, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, did you ever have any moments of just feeling kind of like starstruck that like, you know, again, like Tony, Tony Stewart is, you know, like this great superstar, right. And you get to share the track with them. Was that like, kind of like a nice moment when you first started in the series? Yeah, you know, it definitely, uh, it definitely was uh, kind of like a fangirl moment uh, going out to the first race, and uh, you know, guys like Elio Castroneves and Tony Kanon and Tony Stewart, um, you know, these are guys that you know you grow up watching on TV. You you never think you'd be racing on the same track with them, um, and here they are. You know, you're in the same driver bus as them. You know, talking to them and um, getting to hang out for the whole weekend. Um, so it was pretty cool. It was, it was eye opening for sure. Um, you know, after that first race, the that kind of jitters of feeling like a fangirl kind of went away and, you know, I just felt like another one of the drivers out there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it was pretty cool by the end of the SRX season, there was people in the stands wearing my shirts and, uh, cheering me on. So I thought that yeah. was, uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is kind of like a nice, like philosophical question, but do you think like as a driver, do you want to get like that fangirl stuff out of the way as quickly as possible and just be like, no, nah, I'm supposed to be here. I need to like act like it. And that's, that's sort of the attitude you want to have because I kind of had like a personal similar experience right this past summer i interned with indycar and like walking around the engineering paddock right or just the paddock i, I didn't like obviously in my head i was like holy crap that's you know roman grosjean just walked past me all these people right but i wanted to act you know professional right so is that is that the same sort of attitude you bring yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with you know being excited and you know fangirling over people because at the end of the day you you got to be able to be happy about where you're at with what you're doing because it's really awesome um but yeah you just got to try to uh um, get over that fairly quick to focus on what you have to do. Um, because if you, you know, dwell on that for so long, then you just won't be focused on, on what you're doing. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with it. It just takes a little bit of, of time, but you know, once I sat in the car and fired it up for the first time, all those feelings went away and it just felt like another race. And, uh, yeah. you know, I had a job to do. And, and so what do you say, like some of the, uh, like quote unquote old timers, were they kind of like mentors to you or were they still just kind of like, you know, cold competitors? Because I, I know, for example, Tony Stewart and you had like a bit of a bust up. So were they still just like, you know, you're leaving nothing out there, just going for it, no matter who it is? Yeah, I mean, um, everybody was a little bit different. You know, some of the guys uh, take you under their wing more than others. But, um, you know, everybody was very friendly out there, at least off the track. Um, you know, we have great conversations and, you know, listening to their stories about their careers. You know, it's great advice for me for where I'm going. Um, you know, on track, we're all competitive. Nobody is going to let anybody else win. That's not in any of our nature that are out there on track. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's natural for us to, uh, you know, get into it a little bit. Um, and, you know, that was their run-ins throughout the, throughout the seasons, throughout the last two years in SRX, um, between, you know, like me and Tony had one there, but, 
um, you know, we were able to laugh about it. Yeah. You know, 10 minutes I mean, I, I think that the thing I love about that whole Tony Stewart thing is I went and like rewatched the clip and like, right. Like they interviewed him, right. Like right after he got out of the car and he was like, he was swearing and he was upset, but I could tell it was, it was really funny because he was, he was like visibly upset, but still throughout that he was no, Ernie's a great kid. Like he's such a great driver. So I don't understand why you would do so. <laughs> so it, yeah. it was kind of funny. Yeah. You know, he's just, <laughs> You know, he, he cares a lot and uh, he's been one of the drivers that's taking the other under his wing a lot. And, uh, you know, be happy to I'm happy to, you know, say that I know him and can call him a friend. Um, but, you know, yeah, we, you know, got into it a little bit there. But like I said, 10 <laughs> minutes later, we were we were talking and laughing it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, it's it's part of racing. You know, there's exactly tempers flare. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you give it a little bit and uh, everybody gets back to normal. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, well, like you said too, right? Um, you did really well in the SRX series, finished second, brought home like the win at Lucas Oil, and that was really like a great like thing in terms of momentum for your career, and it helped bring you to Force Indy, right? So again, Force Indy, like a very new venture in um in Indy Next, also competed in in USF, right? Um, so can you again for our listeners, what is kind of the goal of Force Indy? Why was it formed, and and what is it trying to do? Yeah, you know, Force Indy was to um was was formed um just to we're part of indy cars and and penske's race for equality and change uh for the series you know their goal was to bring more diverse drivers uh crew um engineers into the into the world of motorsport into the world of indycar um and you know they did that in their first year with uh with racing in usf and they wanted to transition into uh indy lights last year um you know it was a big jump going from usf to indy lights um we had our struggles throughout the year, you know, trying to get the car where we needed to be and, and, and be competitive, how we know that we should be. And, you know, we had flashes of, of speed and some decent results out there, but not where we wanted it to be. Um, but, you know, the opportunity was, was so incredible to go out there and race for force Indy and, and be under the uh, Penske entertainment banner, um, you know, getting to um, not only meet Roger Penske, but, you know, talk on the phone with him and text him all the time and, um, you know, hang out in his, in his motor coach with him. Um, and then meet all the guys from team Penske, you know, every weekend and, you know, be able to sit down and talk with them for advice. It's just such an opportunity, opportunity, um, that, you know, I was just so thankful for, and, uh, really it all just goes back to, you know, SRX kind of boosted me into that, into that limelight to where, uh, Roger saw me and, you know, gave me a call and asked if I wanted to be a part of that program. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, and, you know, now we're working into, uh, getting ready for the 23 season, um, back with force Indy again, but a few changes with the program. So, uh, excited to see where it's going to head now. So, so what was it like meeting Roger Penske for the first time, right? Because anyone in the racing world, you know, everyone kind of speaks of him in hushed tones, right? Um, I think when you, you went on, I think it was Dale Earnhardt's podcast, right. And you told a little story about how, um, mm -hmm. you needed to shave your beard for him, which I thought that was really funny because I'd heard, I think, um, again, one of my bosses at IndyCar. He told me the exact same thing in the 1980s when he met um, Roger Penske. Yep. Roger didn't like him very much because he had long hair and like a beard and the whole same thing. So what, what was it like meeting the man himself? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it was pretty stressful. Um, you know, he had called me a few weeks prior um, out of the blue. Didn't didn't know he was going to call at all. And uh, I got a random number calling me from Michigan and I answered it and it was Roger Penske. And, you know, we set up this meeting in Indianapolis um, during the uh, Brickyard weekend so we can discuss some plans. He didn't tell me what plans they were. He just said he wanted to discuss some things. Um, so, you know, I was stressed because I had no idea what he wanted to discuss, <laughs> where he wanted, what he wanted me to do, where he wanted me to to race or, or any ideas that he had. Um, 
and then you know talk with some people about it and everybody told me the same thing you know like roger does not like beards uh everybody on team penske has to be <laughs> clean shaven so uh i made sure i shaved my beard the first time i met him uh just <laughs> trying to make a good first impression um turns out afterwards he said i could keep it it, it wasn't a big deal <laughs> so i got to got to keep my beard um but yeah i did shave it the first time and you know he's a amazing person to to meet um you know he's just uh really down to earth and uh he's so involved in the program and he's so involved in what he does around indycar and the the speedway itself um it's crazy how much he's out there just day-to-day things just getting it done um you wouldn't think that he'd be out there doing but uh you know he's uh one of the coolest people in in motorsport and you know it's just shocked and blessed to to meet him for sure so why do you think they they chose you in particular? I know that might be like a hard hard question to answer, right? But you know, and putting putting you straight into indie lights too, where maybe you hadn't had the most experience, particularly with single seaters. So, uh, yeah, why, why why do you think that they, that you were the man for the job? You know, I think um, you know, he saw how I did in SRX, um, my history in Trans Am, um, and then also uh, racing in the FR America series the year before. Um, got me some open wheel experience. So I think, uh, you know, they thought that it would be a decent transition. You know, they knew it was going to be, um, it was going to take some time. It wasn't just a one and done kind of, kind of thing for this program. We knew that it was going to be a multi-year program to get where we wanted to, uh, wanted to go. Um, but, you know, I think after we met and we kind of discussed it, um, he decided that, you know, he wanted me to be the the guy for the job and, uh, you know, here we are now, so. And ultimately, this would be something where Force Indy would like to be competing at the IndyCar level, right? Yeah, you know, the the long-term goal for this is to obviously have the Force Indy name competing in IndyCar. Um, I think that's where um, that's where Rod Reed, where Roger Penske, where um, Tim Sendrick, all the people that are involved in this want it to get to at some point. It's just, uh, you know, it's a progression of getting to that level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, going from, from last year, running our own program, um, being, being kind of on our own, uh, was really difficult for us um, to to be competitive. You know, this year they switched it up a little bit. Now I'm racing with HMD Motorsport, um, supported by Force Indy, and I think that's a you know big step for us for for the program. You know, being able to run with a competitive, experienced team in in Indy Next already, um, and then having the Force Indy name um, branded on us, I think uh, is the right step for us, and I think it will take us to the next level to be competitive where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And so does Rod Reed, does he have sole ownership of the team then, or does Roger Penske actually own a part of Force Indy? Um, Roger Penske uh, is involved with Penske Entertainment in, in the ownership of the team. Um, so it's a co-partnership that they have there together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when, when when Roger Penske came to you with this proposition of, you know, of, of racing with Force Indy, what, what, what spoke to you more? Was it you know, the opportunity that this could be a potential pipeline to IndyCar for you, or was it more um, the fact that, you know, you would be racing like as an ambassador representative for like the, you know, movement for more diversity and inclusion in motorsport? You know, I think everything that, you know, was about the program was something that I wanted to be, wanted to be in on, you know, being able to be the ambassador for the race for equality and change in IndyCar, um, being able to drive for someone like Roger Penske, um, and, you know, the opportunity that I never thought that I would get to be able to race um, in Indy Lights and, you know, possibly be able to get to IndyCar, you know, growing up, that was kind of the last thing that I thought I'd ever be able to do um, because just didn't have the budget, didn't have the 
resources, the connections to get into that, um, that area of motorsport. So, you know, the opportunity came and, uh, you know, I jumped right on and I think it was something that I could never turn down. Um, no matter how it turns out, I think it's something that I'm, you know, going to be proud that I, uh, went after and, and, and tried and did. Mm -hmm. and, and so now, you know, racing for Force Indy, they chose you, right? So in terms of bringing something to the table, are you still actively trying to bring sponsorship and have to make up a certain part of the budget every year with the team? Uh, no. So with the program itself, it's fully, uh, fully funded, um, through, uh, through Force Indy. So, you know, I just have to show up and drive. I don't have to uh, worry about the budget side of it or any of that. So uh, it definitely helps out. It takes a lot of the stress off of me to where I can focus on just driving the car. Gotcha. So, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that an Indy Lights car is, is one of the best feeder series cars that you can drive. And a lot of people really enjoyed the experience of driving the Indy Lights car, right? So, um, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of fun and enjoyment this year, right? But what were some of the things that you were like, that you, you 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 got behind the seat for the first time and you're like wow I really got to work on the skill I really need to you know hone into my racecraft or try something new what what were those those few things uh, the biggest thing for me was just getting used to the downforce of the cars um you know coming from Trans Am and touring cars um I haven't raced much high downforce um uh, cars to where you can really feel the arrow pushing the car into the track so uh it made a you know uh interesting challenge for me when I got into the car trying to figure out how much you can trust the air to have have the grip when you're going through the turns and it's like the faster you went the better grip you had so it was pretty surprising uh for me and it was kind of eye-opening um but you know it, it took some time to get used to but once i did you know started to uh click with the car more um but you know like you said the car is very enjoyable to drive um it's super fast definitely the fastest car that i've driven um so it, it's been a lot of fun so I know that Force Indy, as you mentioned, in addition to just making sure that they have a diverse bunch of drivers, they're also trying to hire a diverse group of engineers and mechanics as well, right? So, you know, maybe integrating with HMD and, and their engineering staff a little bit this year, but at least for this past year, you know, how, how unique of an environment was that? Because I'm, I, I think, I, I know that I've heard from other people too, that a lot of these engineers and mechanics that are being hired were probably, you say, equally, um, equally new to the series as, as you, right? Yeah, you know, everybody was fairly new to it. Um, the the mechanics we had um, had been on the program the year before in, in USF, but the jump to Indy Lights was a big transition. And, you know, um, it was as new to them as it was to me. Um, so it made for a, a big learning curve for all of us. And, um, you know, that was part of our struggles we had um, last year. But I think it was also, a, you know, big strength that we got to work on to be able to uh, to, you know, work through that and uh and get competitive where we wanted to and i think it's only going to help us now um for where we're at uh this year so one thing i think a lot of people when they drive like a downforce car for the first time um you know it's 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 a bit more physical for them i think in some sense like i think a lot of people and i've talked about them going up from like formula four to like formula two formula one right it's a, it's a big change like that right um so did you feel like you had to change your your training regimen quite a bit when you entered indy next yeah, definitely had to uh, had to change training for sure. Um, from what I raced in Trans Am, you know, the physical aspect was there, but nowhere near the level that you feel um, in the Indy next car. Um, you have way more G-forces. Um, there's no power steering in the Indy next car. So the steering effort's way heavier and the braking forces are a lot more. Um, so, you know, your shoulder uh, routine that you would normally do isn't sufficient enough when you're racing in any next car, you know, your neck workouts you need to do, um, leg workouts. It, it's all just needs to be better. Um, 
you know, spent a lot of time in the off season last year, um, kind of prepping for that. And it was still, uh, it was still rough the first few races, you know, trying to get back into it. Um, trying to feel like I was at the level where I needed to be, to be competitive in the series, um, for myself, physically wise, uh, took a little bit, but, you know, towards the mid to later part of the season felt pretty good in the car. Um, and, you know, it helped out because now in this off season, I knew what I needed to work on and, you know, been working on those key areas that I wanted to improve on. And I think, uh, you know, be even more prepared for uh, 2023. So, so what's your attitude towards like fitness, um, you know, as a competitor, right? Because I think I, I was having dinner with the driver one time and he, and he kind of mentioned um, that he just does like the bare minimum that he needs to do in order to stay fit to drive an Indy car. Whereas like one of his buddies, like, for him, it was just like a mental thing that he needed to train, you know, two, three hours every day, even if that wasn't like necessarily how fit he needed to be to drive the car, he would still go over it now, which is kind of a mental thing. So which camp do you kind of find yourself in? Yeah, you know, I think the work that you put in is what you're going to get out of it. Um, I spend a lot of time in the gym every day um, working on the things that I need to. Um, there's some areas that I focus on more so than others where I feel like, you know, I don't need to work on as much on this area because that's not an area that really affects me as much in the car as as something else here. So I kind of cater my workout to where um, I feel like I need to improve on more. Uh, you know, I've been working with uh, Pit Fit in Indianapolis a lot. They've been doing remote training with me um, over the past year. So, you know, they have my routines and, you know, I check in what my routine is for the day and, and start doing that. Um, so it definitely makes it, uh, makes it easier for me. Um, but yeah, some of the workouts get pretty intense. So, uh, you know, it might be a little above and beyond for what we're doing, but, you know, you can't be too, uh, you can't be too prepared for what we're doing. So it's better to, you know, be as, uh, be as good as you can. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great attitude to have. And, and, and what about mental training, right? I think uh, when, when David Malukas came onto the podcast, I remember I asked him like, well, what's the hardest thing about going oval racing, right? And he said, it's not even the physical aspect of driving around the oval, it's literally the mental, you know, thing about for whatever, a couple hundred laps, being able to stay just, you know, all, like super focused, right? So I think he said he started meditating to like, you know, learn on improving his focus, doing things like that, right? So is that, is that something that you feel you've had to work on even more so coming into Indy Lights Indy Next now? Yeah, you know, for sure. There, there's a certain focus level that you have to be able to maintain. I felt like, you know, I've been decent at that over the past few years racing in some endurance races that I've done, um, you know, growing up racing in, in SECA and, and the local series we have down here called Farah. I've done a ton of four and eight hour endurance races where I've been in the car for a lot of time. And, um, you know, it's helped me kind of, get better at, at keeping that focus over long periods of time. And I think that that definitely helped me. Um, but you know, it is a different level racing in, uh, in Indy next, um, the speeds are much greater, especially around some of these ovals. So the level of focus you have to have as things are happening so fast around you is intense. Um, and you definitely feel a, a mental strain. Um, when you get out of the car, you definitely feel like you're pretty wore out. Um, but you know, you, you, every race you do, you get better at it, you improve. Um, and that's kind of the, the way that it's been. So while we're on while we're on the topic of you know uh, how how you handle yourself mentally when you when you're behind the wheel right as as any any athlete has to be good at handling pressure um, with so much success in Trans Am and SRX you've shown that you're pretty good pretty damn good at, at handling pressure um, but as a driver in a brand new series and and someone now representing African Americans and people of color in motorsports did you mm -hmm. feel more pressure in particular to succeed this past season Yeah you know there definitely is. Uh more pressure than what I have in the past, you know, because, you know, racing for, uh, Roger Penske's program, you know, being the ambassador for, uh, force Indy and the race for equality and change in IndyCar, 
um, there definitely is pressure there to perform and to, you know, live up to the expectations that everybody has for you, especially after the success that I've had in SRX and in Trans Am over the years. So, you know, there definitely is that pressure, um, but you're trying not to let it get to you too much. Um, you know, it's easy to say, um, harder to do for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think that I've always performed pretty well under pressure. Um, it's just a different level now. Um, but, you know, it's all the same. It's still a, you know, still a race car. So has four wheels and a steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can drive one, I can drive another. So um, <laughs> try not to let it get to me. Yeah. I mean, would you say in some ways, uh, I mean, because when it comes to like racing drivers, I kind of like to tell people it's like a little bit like being a fighter pilot. You, could, you just have to have like the ultimate mentality and, that, and that's just part of the game, right? So, I mean, would you say it's kind of like a, a blinders on sort of affair? Because I, I kind of like to tell people, right, when I'm sort of looking th- towards a goal, it's kind of like obstacles are all to the side. You got to put the blinders on and just focus on the goal, right? So is that it, would, you, would you say that's something somewhat similar to your attitude? Yeah, you know, you definitely uh, you have the the blinders on when you when you're working towards the goal out there on the track. You know, you try not to let other things get in the way uh, of what you're focused on. You know, especially during race weekends, um, it's intense. You know, you're 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 so locked in with with what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, it makes it tough. Um, but you know, we're all all all, the, all us drivers. We're all kind of crazy. We're all you know, we're all kind of similar in that way of what we're going after. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're all kind of used to that and uh, and prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, in, in general, I guess throughout your career, right? Because now this is this is one opportunity, right? Where again, acting as an ambassador for diversity and inclusion, right? So throughout your career, like it, how much of like, how much were you thinking about something like this? Were there a lot of times, you know, maybe early on younger in your career that you felt that, you know, there weren't a lot of other drivers, competitors that looked like you? Then have maybe like other engineers or team members that look like you. Was that something that was maybe in the always in the back of your head or not really? You know, it's something that you definitely notice. Um, you know, you definitely notice that going out there and racing that, you know, there's not that many, um, there's not that much of a di- diverse group in motorsport. Um, but it's never been something that I have um focused on too much with my racing. Um, because for me, you know, once I put my helmet on, I'm you know, the same as every other driver out there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's, there's any difference. Um, so I've always like trying not to let it get to me too much, but I've always has, I've always been aware of that situation in motorsports and how, um, and how it looks from the outside looking in. Um, and you know, whatever we can do to try to change that with what we have going on with this program, um, is going to help. And I think, you know, the, the positive changes that we've made over the past year with, with fans coming out to these races and really supporting us, um, and, and being proud to, to support us on track uh, for what we're trying to do. I think it's definitely been a, a, a nice change and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what we've uh, accomplished so far. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like, um, maybe like the right strategy of bringing about, you know, divert further diversity in racing, right? So, is, is your kind of mentality that like, you know, hey, I'm a representative now for this community, so I'm just going to go out there, you know, do the best I can, hopefully be successful, right? And, you know, by doing having those positive things just sort of sort of show that like, hey, someone who looks like me can do this and that inspires other kids to do that? Or is it also having more of a hands-on approach that we're going to like go out into the community and try to like introduce kids to karting or, you know, give people tickets to come to their race so that they can see for themselves? Like what sort of the the attitude of people at Fort Indy. Yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of both, you know. One is, you know, the on-track aspect and and us doing good on on track to show people how successful we can be. Um 
the other side is, you know, we do reach out to the community a lot. A lot of these events that we'll do, um, we'll have kids come in from schools. We'll, we'll, we'll go to schools on the, on the days, uh, that we're not on track and, and go speak to kids and, um, um, they will put together events where the kids can, can come and, and meet us at the track and we'll do meet and greets. Um, and I think that's, that's crucial to try and get that outreach there. Um, so they can feel more connected to the, to the motorsport, um, because it can be pretty intimidating from the outside. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's pretty crazy and, and scary when you're, when you're not involved in it. So if we can make it feel more comfortable for them to where they feel like, you know, they're welcome at the track and they need, they can go there and they want to go and attend races, then uh, we've accomplished our goal. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is kind of my personal story, but both of us in ways have kind of been benefactors from Roger Penske's like drive for further diversity, because, you know, I don't really tell this to people, but the way I actually got recruited to IndyCar was, was through that same program. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's not something I really like to just kind of broadcast out in the open because me personally, I think, you know, close to my heart, I do really care about bringing, you know, further diversity, inclusion. I think in any business, diversity is, 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 a, is a better thing, right? Um, but one thing I'm just always kind of in the back of my head, like afraid about is I want people to, you know, want me on their team as an engineer because I'm a good engineer, right? Not mm-hmm. just because of my skin color or, you know, that that's sort of my ethnicity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, is, is that something again in your head that like you were, you were kind of thinking about that or like, or is yeah, it, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, that's always been a concern of mine is, you know, I don't want, um, to be in this program and have these opportunities just because of, of what I look like, um, or where I'm from. Um, I want to be here because I earned it and I deserve to be here. Um, and I'm just as good as everybody else out there on track. And I think that's what we try to prove on track when we're racing with them is that, you know, it doesn't matter what we look like, um, you know, you, you can still be a great race car driver, no matter, no matter where you're from or, or, or what your skin color is. Um, same thing for engineers, for mechanics, for everybody involved in the program. I think we're all trying to, uh, trying to prove that, that we can be out there. And it's not just because of the program that we should be out there, that we deserve to be. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, we're all working towards that. And I think we've definitely shown that over this past, uh, past year. So in terms of like, so, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, good change that's been brought by the team so far, right? I think for sure, I think a lot of awareness has been raised, right? Because, I mean, again, just me being in the office at IndyCar, hearing how people are talking about these things. Because I think, I think I've had a very similar experience to you in the sense that, um, you know, I don't think anyone has treated me poorly because of, you know, my, my ethnicity. But I think, you know, it definitely has been anytime I go and walk around the paddock, you see that there are a lot of people, you know, with dark skin, right? Um so, so that's kind of how I feel, right? But, and, and there, there definitely has been some change in at least the way we approach and talk about the subject, right? But maybe looking forward, what are some things you think that, you know, as, a, as an organization, you guys could be doing even better? Yeah, you know, I think uh, some of the outreach stuff that we do, um, you know, has been great, but we need to try to get more kids involved. You know, we've, we've had a few events where we bring kids to the track, but if we can do that every event where we have groups of kids from, you know, schools that are in the area come out to the track, I think that's, that's so crucial. Um, just to get the kids to the track, because you'd be surprised, um, you know, going to St. Pete, going to the Detroit Grand Prix, you know, we go talk at some of these schools and these kids live five minutes away from where the racetrack is in, in downtown Detroit and in, in St. Pete. And they've been living there for 10, 15 years and have never been to the race once, you know, they've mm-hmm. never, never attended it. It's just something they just felt like they weren't, you know, it wasn't a thing that they would go to. Um, you know, it's always, you know, racing's always been seen as kind of like a, um, 
I don't know, like a redneck or that yeah. kind of sport <laughs> when, when, when it really isn't. Um, and it is eye opening when you finally can get to the track and you realize how accepting the racing community is um, and how diverse it, it, it can be. But I think, you know, being able to just get the kids to come to the track and get people to actually go and attend the races is the biggest thing, because yeah. you'd be amazed how many people live right by it and have never been in their entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that, that I think I, I think in a lot of ways, the race in the community was a lot more accepting than I thought they were going to be of someone like me. And it was like I had a very positive experience. So I think one of the, one of the biggest things is just, again, like raising like the awareness and and making sure there's like opportunities for people to actually come and experience something for themselves, right? Um, but, you know, pivoting away from that a little bit, looking more specifically to your program, you know, upcoming for 2023. Um, so like you said, running with HMD, I mean, I kind of like the joke that HMD pretty much runs half the cars in the Indy Lights grade at this point, right? Uh, obviously very successful team, right? So um, how do you expect to support the change? Are you just, you just think that from the get-go, you're gonna have better, more, more well set up cars from weekend to weekend? Yeah, you know, I think uh, from the start of the weekend, we're just going to be more on point. I think our setups are going to be better, you know, being that there's nine cars on the HMD grid. Uh, I feel like, you know, they have a good idea of where the cars need to be. Um, and we also have a ton of data that we can compare to now having nine cars. There's a lot of teammates that I have that we can compare data. And no matter what, if one of us isn't as fast during the weekend, the other, another guy is bound to be somewhere quick. So um, there's always going to be data to compare to, um, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, us comparing to somebody else or somebody else comparing to us. Um, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for that in, in this program. And I think the engineering um, advice in, in, in this program is going to be a lot better too. You know, there's nine engineers that all have tons of different experience from all different forms of motorsport all coming together. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of smart minds in the, in the trailer when we're debriefing from these races. Um, so I think, you know, it's definitely the program that's going to help us be more successful. Um, we've seen it already in preseason testing. We we definitely are a lot more competitive than where we ended the season last year. Um, mm -hmm. So it gives us a lot of confidence going into the year. And, uh, you know, we're just looking forward to getting on track and improving where we can. Um, I want to improve on my own driving at some places where we've been, where I thought I didn't do as good as where I could have been. Uh, and then there's some places where we know that we're pretty fast and we're excited to get back to and, uh, you know, try to compete for podiums and race wins. So at this point in your career, where do you think you are in the progression of being ready for IndyCar? Um, what skills do you think you have to gain in order to be ready? Yeah, you know, I think another year of Indy Lights or Indy Next Year will, will be crucial for getting me ready to uh, to to be an IndyCar. Um, you see a lot of these guys um, from Indy Lights and from Indy Next that are going to uh, going to IndyCar now, and they seem to transition pretty well. Um, I I think this year will be crucial for me to learn. And, you know, if we can be competitive this year and run in that top five for most of the season, I think that, you know, I'm pretty much ready for that transition when the when the time comes. So that that's like the goal you're setting for yourself then, finishing top five. Like, that's what it needs yeah, to be. You know, we, we want to be top five, you know, finishing on the podium. If we can get a race win this year, uh, that's the real goal right there. Um, but, yeah, you know, just be competitive and, and be in the hunt every, every race weekend. That's the goal for us. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, maybe this is thinking a little bit too far into the future. I don't know. But um you know when when it, in terms of making that transition to IndyCar is it you kind of go into the team and telling them I'm ready or is it they need also or I guess I'm in reality it's probably a little bit of both right that the team and you need to kind of come to an agreement yeah it, it's that, definitely going to be a, a mix of both there you know I have to feel that I'm ready to make that jump and the team has to feel that they're ready to take on that uh that transition um mm -hmm. so you know 
we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But right now, yeah. all I focused on uh 2023, trying to uh you know make it the best year that we can. Mm-hmm. And so for in 2023, what what race are you most looking forward to? Um, you know, there's a ton that I'm looking forward to. I think one of the big ones are going to be uh Mid Ohio, um Road America and Indy Road Course. Those are events that I've always been very good at. Um, tracks that I like a lot, and uh, we've been fast at Indy Road Course. We were top three in the preseason testing we did. Um, at the end of the year last year, we were really fast there. Um, at the Indy Lights race last year, you know, we were top five in that race until the rain came down and uh, just didn't have a rain setup that would work for us. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's a track that I've always been pretty pretty competitive at. So you know, those are some events that I'm really looking forward to. I think we have a car that we can win with, and I think uh, it's a track that I can win on. Um. But, you know, other events I'm excited for, too. You know, St. Pete uh, is going to be a fun one. That's where we got our best result, result of the season last year. Um, that's like a home race for you, right? Yeah, it's like the home race for us. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of excitement for the year, um, mm-hmm. a lot of fun races that are coming up and, you know, ready to get on track and uh, start turning some laps because uh, this this offseason feels pretty long <laughs> and uh, feels like it's been a while since I've been in the car. So getting ready to get back out there. So you're not excited for the ovals? Uh, no, definitely I'm excited for some <laughs> of the ovals. Um, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, last year it was interesting. It was, uh, a big change, you know, racing a short track, um, SRX car on an oval versus racing a Indy next car on a, on a bigger speedway is a big change. Um, but you know, I'm excited for it. The ovals were fun last year. Um, Mm -hmm. we weren't as competitive as we wanted to be, but, uh, we put up decent results for the first time on it. And I think uh, it can only get better this year. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I always thought that ovals would be like the most transit, like most natural transition for guys like you. I mean, I remember I always kind of joke. I was like, I would always wonder kind of why Jimmy Johnson didn't do better in ovals. I know he did pretty well in the 500 before he spun mm-hmm. out at the end. But uh, I mean, I mean, did you find that to be a natural transition or it was still, you know, being on? You know, it felt like, you know, there was easier of a transition compared to some of the road course or street course stuff. You know, I felt like the street courses were the hardest thing to adapt to. Mm-hmm. Um, then the road courses, the ovals are probably not as hard. But it was still difficult because there was a lot of aero reliance that you were you were trusting. Mm-hmm. And the way that the car races in dirty air versus the way that it is in clean air is so much different than anything else I've driven. Um, it is so dependent on the aero to and it's a different kind of racecraft, you know, being able to cut the air off of people or people cutting the air off of you, you gotta know how to how to drive it and how the car is gonna react to do that. So it definitely made a a, mm-hmm. a big change and uh, transition. Well, I'm sure that's what made some of the street courses a little bit more difficult as well, right? Because those those tracks are incredibly bumpy. The dynamic of the vehicle are, are completely different on a track like Detroit versus when you go to Indy Road Course, right? Yeah, you know, it's a lot different. And, you know, you got to be millimeter perfect to the walls everywhere to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it definitely was was a, a challenge for me to, to get used to that and uh, something that I still want to improve on. And that's one of my goals for this year is to improve on our street course performances and, uh, you know, starting that with St. Pete in, uh, in March. So, Well, last question for me today. What has been one of your most memorable or rewarding moments in your racing career thus far? I think, uh, you know, the most memorable moment for me has been, uh, there's, there's really two. It's winning the SRX race at Lucas Oil, you know, being able to battle with uh, Elio and Tony Kanan and, you know, battling wheel-to-wheel with Scott, with Scott Speed for the last 20 laps of the race, you know, guys that I've looked up to all my life and being able to come out on top and win that race was definitely, uh, the highlight of any race that I've, that I've competed in and won in my career for sure. Um, 
but then another highlight just for my racing career overall was, you know, being called up by Roger Penske for, for this uh, Force Indy program. That's something that I think every driver dreams of, um, getting that call and, uh, you know, to actually have that happen um, and and for it to come to fruition and uh, and and be a program that I'm competing in is uh, is pretty incredible. So I think that, that's like my top two right there. And, uh, you know, I can't pick a favorite out of those two, but but those are it. Yeah, well, fair enough. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show today, Ernie. I had a great time learning more about your career, and I wish you the best of luck for the upcoming season. No, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing the Apex. I had a great time speaking with Ernie, and I hope you found him to be an interesting guest. If you'd like to continue to support my work, make sure to give me a follow at ctp.motorsport on Instagram and at sidtalksf1 on TikTok. Thanks again.